Good morning. You are listening to Scotty Foster and Zena Richardson, your host today with Behind the Lines on 2XX Community Radio 98.3 FM in Canberra. We're going to be talking live via phone with Bob Phelps from Gene Ethics Network about Australia's plans to legalise human genetic engineering and what this means for the future and integrity of humanity. I'm just going to ask you to jog your memories for a bit first up. Anyone remember a sci-fi thriller in 1997 called Gattaca. In a not-too-distant future, in a eugenics-segregated society where genetic engineering has become the most common form of childbirth and those born naturally in an uncontrolled fashion now form a social underclass. One of the underclass, named Vincent, dreams of becoming an astronaut an occupation barred to him because of his inferior genetic status. So Vincent contrives to take on the identity of a genetically superior man and pursue his lifelong dream of space travel. When Gattaca was first released as part of its marketing campaign, there were adverts for people to call and have their children genetically engineered. Thousands of people called, wanting to have their offspring genetically engineered. The world of Gattaca could easily become our world in our lifetime. To ponder this probability, its potential impact on humanity, and answer the question whether we should say no to GM babies, we would like to welcome to the show via phone Bob Phelps. Bob is the Executive Director of Gene Ethics. It's a non-profit educational network for citizens and kindred groups who want the precautionary principle, scientific evidence and the law vigorously applied to all proposed uses of genetic manipulation, technologies and their products. Gene Ethics envisages a safer, more equitable and more sustainable GM-free society. Gene Ethics generates and distributes accurate information and analysis on the ethical, environmental, social and economic impacts of GM. Uh, Their education programs critically assess GM for the public, policymakers and interest groups. So we'd like to welcome to the show this morning to talk about No More GM Babies, Bob Phelps from GM Ethics. Gene Ethics, sorry, Bob. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Bob. It's lovely to have you with us. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. So that was a bit of a long, wordy intro to get our phone line sorted, but perhaps (laughs) um, we can let it um, leave it to you to tell us a bit more about your work and about gene ethics, and then we can move on to the topic of the MITO bill. Ah, oh, well, gene ethics has been campaigning about uh, biotechnology and genetic engineering for the last 30 years, and uh, we're now at crunch time as far as the en- genetic engineering of human beings is concerned. Um, there is a global ban on any uh, research that. Uh, would produce children that pass their new traits on to future generations. But uh, on Tuesday of next week, the uh, Senate will be considering a bill, the mitochondrial lauriform bill, which is being rushed through before uh, the health minister, uh, Greg Hunt, retires uh, before the election. And uh, we think it's premature. Uh, The only other country that allows such research at the moment is the UK, they passed their legislation in 2015, and there are no results from that research uh, so far. So uh, I think we should wait for the results of those experiments before we go tinkering with the human gene pool and allowing babies to be born in experiments which uh, who, who will pass their uh, new genetic 
uh, traits onto their uh, onto their descendants. I think there's a human rights issue here, and there's also an issue of the health of the children uh, who will be born. Yeah, absolutely. And you said, you know, two words that really rang alarm bells for me, which was rushed through. So is, is there a motivation for Greg Hunt wanting to rush this through? Uh, what, what, what's really behind that um, urgency? Well, it's hard to discern exactly what it is, but I think the IVF industry has been uh, subtly pushing. There is a, um, a community front group called uh, the Mito Foundation, which has been campaigning around this since 2012 and incidentally has the Prime Minister as its patron. So um, <laughs> this is why it's being pushed forward at this time and I think um, Greg Hunt will see it as his, um, you know, his signature bit of legislation that he got through before he uh, retired from the, from the Parliament. And, um, you know, we can probably keep an eye out for who, who employs him after he retires as well. Yes, uh, I imagine there's some funds being um, bandied about there and some other incentives. Well, there, there is a fair bit of money around in this. Uh, mitochondrial disease um, is uh, actually 300 different diseases, and this is what the, um, the new legislation purports to be allowing research uh, for a cure uh, not a cure, for a prevention of this, these particular diseases, which are about the energy-generating energy uh, genetics of human cells. Um, but it will involve the birth of genetically engineered babies, and that's, that's where the uh, really important scientific, ethical and social issues come in, which haven't been discussed. Mm. Uh, and I think that... Uh, the minister just wants to get this done. Um, we've been lobbying, as have the other groups, of course, and we're hoping that senators next Tuesday will either vote to reject the uh, mitochondrial bill or that they will dramatically um, amend it because uh, it really has got some very awful um, provisions in it as well which need to be fixed if it is going to be passed. So, you know, this bill's been referred to as a tro Trojan horse. Um, it's basically just, uh, you know, a sort of a cover bill to get a lot of other things through at a later date. Would you, would you agree with that, or is that something you could expand on a little bit? Well, yes, I do think it is a Trojan horse um, uh, because there is a, um, a global uh, movement to allow human genome editing. Uh, again, this is using a technique which was invented uh, by two women researchers in uh, 2012, um, Manuela uh, Charpentier and Jennifer Doudner, and uh, they invented the CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing techniques, which can be literally used on any living organism and now are going to be also proposed for use on uh, human beings. And there are a series of global summits going on um, in which uh, several of the Australian researchers are involved as well. So the, there is a bigger agenda here to um, allow the human genome editing, which will, of course, give rise to, uh, I think, a big um, push to allow the enhancement of babies. Uh, you know, people would like their kids to be taller, um, more energetic, um, higher IQ, et cetera, et cetera. So that's always been in the wings as a motivation for mm -hmm. human 
So, so va- vanity, vanity engineering, basically, I guess, as opposed well, yes, to uh, medical necessity or compassionate and empathetic engineering to ease suffering. Yes, yes, indeed. And, of course, um, eugenics, which has now a two-century history of uh, selecting human beings uh, through uh, sterilisation of women, and, of course, uh, it, this was in the USA, Australia and the UK especially, uh, in the early uh, 1900s. And then, of course, it came to its worst manifestations uh, under the Nazis during the uh, before and during the Second World War um, as eugenic uh, selection of humans. And uh, that's, of course, still alive and well, well in I think the minds Bill Gates of, of is some a huge, people as well. Bill Gates is a huge proponent of eugenics. He's openly stated that. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I wouldn't mention a person as advocating it. Mm. Um, Someone with that much power and influence and resources behind them, though, you know, that's a concern. This is not just Joe Blow. <laughs> you know, he's definitely an influence, um, possible influence on policy when you've got um, that that much, uh, uh, re- that, that many resources behind you anyway. There are a number of key influences around, and it's a bit like uh, the new moonshots that are being done by a few private citizens who are mega billionaires in the world as well. Uh, they want to conquer new frontiers, uh, to imagine that science and technology is going to uh, uh, solve human problems. And uh, I think we should just step back a little bit and be a bit more sceptical about what the motivations are mm-hmm. for all of these innovations and uh, uh, tinkering with the human genome so that it can we can uh, design our new babies um, is one. Uh, what the mitochondrial bill um, proposes, of course, is being funded, as you mentioned, in the 2018 budget, 2018-19 budget, the government allocated $500 million over 10 years to genomic research. So that's being doled out over 10 years and will include things like the research that's going to be uh, debated uh, next Tuesday for the prevention of mitochondrial disease. Mm. Uh, I think we should probably segue for a moment into talking about what mitochondrial disease is and what the researchers are envisaging and what the IVF want, IVF industry wants to get behind because really if this is successful and we very much doubt that it will be then of course uh, the IVF industry which is uh, substantially owned by foreign entities not by Australians um, and is a bit of a gravy train um, they would get a new tool in their toolbox which they could uh, market to those who want to have uh, designer babies and and that's of serious concern. Mm. Uh, Mitochondrial disease, if you can picture a chicken's egg for a moment, so the white part is um, where the mitochondria exist, they're the energy producing part of any living cell including in human beings and then you've got the nucleus which is like the yolk And what's proposed is that um, women who are suffering from mitochondrial disease will be enabled through this new innovation to have their own uh, genetically related babies. Um, uh, An egg will be donated, its nucleus will be removed, and the nucleus from an egg uh, given by the woman who's got the mitochondrial disease will then be put into the new mitochondrial Uh, DNA context and uh, on the assumption that the nucleus plays no part in the disease which of course turns out to be 
a very flawed view because that's sort of the engine room, the uh, uh, the uh, central switchboard for for the whole of the living cell. And having engineered that cell, it will be then made into an embryo, made into a new baby, um, hopefully where mitochondrial disease is prevented and uh, that new DNA will be passed on to the future generations, the children and grandchildren of uh, that new child. So we think that uh, those children have some rights as well, particularly their human rights should be protected. And uh, under the Convention on the Rights of the Child, the United Nations Convention to which Australia is party, it's very clear that we should protect the interests not only of uh, children that already exist, but also the unborn. So we're saying to the government and we're saying very loudly to the senators uh, that they need to be sure that the health and the human rights of, um, of these new children that are going to be born through this experimental process are protected. Mm. So there, there, there is an argument. When I was looking at the um, information that was coming out of the UK, there was a, an argument that this is being done on compassionate grounds, right, that this is um, going to ease a lot of suffering and there was a lot of examples of uh, you know, children who are suffering mitochondrial disease, people um, whose, whose lives have been turned upside down because of this. And, and you know, it's, it's in its essence, I guess, it's being presented as, as something very compassionate and, you know, for the greater to good but then again as you've mentioned there's there's all these other underlying influences which um, are motivating it as well yes yes very much so um, in fact in the debate uh, on the 1st of December when this uh, bill was passed through the lower house um, many of these speakers were citing instances of uh, their constituents with children who were suffering mitochondrial disease and indeed emphasising that around one child a week in Australia is born with one or other of the 300 mitochondrial diseases and uh, is going to have a very limited lifespan and a rather, um, you know, sad and sick life as well. Um, yes, that's true. Uh, should we be um, trying to treat or cure mitochondrial disease rather than trying to prevent it in this very high-risk way? which ignores the rights of these children. Well, several of the people who made um, submissions to the Senate inquiry into this topic uh, were clear that they thought that uh, the headway that had been made with other genetic diseases could be made here too, and that treatment and cure of the disease might be a better focus than trying to prevent it, which um, does affect the human germline and is inheritable. Um, We've got no problem with uh, trying to genetically treat people to give them therapy if it's just the individual involved. But when we're talking about all future generations of human beings being potentially affected by this, uh, then uh, this high-risk, very expensive um, experimentation, which is then going to segue quickly into a clinical treatment option for the IVF industry, I think needs to be given more thought. Uh, you mentioned the UK. Well, their experiments have now been going on for six years. Um, there are no results, and uh, we really don't know what's happened there. Even the experts in the field, when questioned at the Senate uh, inquiry, said they had, a, had no idea at all what the group in the uh, University of Newcastle in the UK 
um, had achieved, what they'd actually done. And, and this again goes to the heart of the deficiencies of this particular piece of legislation, uh, which we could mention in a moment as well. But I think we need to wait. The uh, experiments on macaque monkeys, which were carried out from 2009 onwards, on five, only five monkeys were very inconclusive. In fact, in the second generation, there seemed to be some re-emergence of the mitochondrial disease uh, indicators. And uh, uh, because of the uncertainties around the UK experiments, incidentally, the only country in the world which at the moment allows such uh, germline gene manipulation that can be inherited, uh, that's the only country that's eased these laws and Australia is about to follow the UK mm. even before we have any evidence uh, to support that transition. Mm. Uh, I think we need a precautionary approach and we need to really seriously consider our responsibilities in relation to the children who would be born. Uh, they've got human rights and their health status uh, should be of top concern to us uh, because the women who want to do that, who would want to do this procedure where they can presumably get a child um, that is genetically related to them, they could start their families perfectly well already uh, with knowing that they're going to have children uh, that are healthy and well by simply using existing IVF techniques, uh, by adopting, or indeed some of them might even choose um, to remain childless uh, if they if they you know, thought it was too high risk um, because, of course, uh, the mito disease does affect the people who are suffering from it uh, dramatically as well. Uh, another question that comes up also is the question of priorities. We're talking about um, 50 births per annum in Australia being affected by mitochondrial disease. And just at the same moment, we've got the people who are engaged in diabetes research which affects 1.5 million Australians annually, saying that their um, funding has been uh, downgraded and they haven't got enough money to continue working on diabetes research. Just to give one example. Um, so we've got choices to make and I think the Senate should reject this uh, bill on Tuesday when they're going to debate it. Mm. So, you know, also, as you've mentioned too, that there's the potential here for the IVF industry to license these tools commercially. So that potentially is going to be the driving motivation. I mean, as you've mentioned, this has only uh, been allowed in the UK. And is, it, is it Dolly the sheep that came out of the UK originally in the cloning experiments? Was that um, something that uh, started off with the, um, the prohibition of human cloning for reproduction in uh, 2002? So they were already sort of leaning and pushing down that road despite legislation? Yes, exactly. In fact, the, um, the uh, Prohibition of Cloning Bill uh, or Act of 2002 and also the Embryo uh, Reproduction Bill of 2002, those two acts um, were the result of a huge public discussion which uh, occurred prior and there was a consensus that those, uh, that legislation should be passed and was in place. Now the Mitochondrial Bill wants to do a carve-out from those two pieces of legislation. So they will stay in place, but the new bill seeks to qualify them 
so that the mitochondrial research would be allowed. And that's one of our difficulties, actually, with this. The, there's, a, there's a committee in the Parliament called the Scrutiny of Bills Committee. <coughs> Excuse me. And when um, the Scrutiny of Bills Committee considered uh, the mitochondrial law reform bill, uh, they were at pains to say, um, and I could even quote, the committee's view is that significant matters such as provisions defining the scope of key terms as well as requirements relating to the withdrawal of consent should be included in primary legislation. So what the uh, current uh, mitochondrial bill does is to delegate to other pieces of legislation uh, the powers and not set them in law in its own right. There's been no discussion about these changes, uh, no serious discussion. The National Health and Medical Research Council held a couple of meetings and had a webinar, um, but for selected audiences, and they didn't raise our major issue, which is to do with uh, the inheritance of these things, that these can be passed on to future generations, that our children and grandchildren will be affected if this goes ahead. And it will be in the hands of the IVF industry, which hasn't got a very pretty track record. And in the process of digging around um, to try to find out, to follow the money trail, uh, if you could say, we found that, uh, for instance, Sydney IVF, which has clinics right across the Sydney metropolitan area, is owned uh, by an entity called Dr. Doctor, which turns out to be uh, registered in the Cayman Islands, um, is on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, and its main beneficial owner is a Chinese billionaire. So we think that there are forces at work here that we really haven't discovered. The, the main proponent appears to be the Mito Foundation, which is a group of people who are suffering Mito disease and their families. And it's been lobbying very hard since 2012 uh, for this new um, experimentation to be allowed. And uh, yet it's unclear where they get their funds from and why they have the Prime Minister as uh, one of their three patrons uh, pushing this along as well. Mm. Now, all of that's huge cause for concern in itself. So, you know, the, the fact that this bill is being rushed through, there's, there's questionable funding behind it. Um, you know, what, what can we hope to do to, to get this delayed? Like, how, how can people get involved and take action to uh, make sure this is reviewed thoroughly and delayed and not rushed through? Yes, well, we, we have an online... Um uh, cyber action, which takes under five minutes to do, um, which people could go to. Say no to GM babies, it's called, and uh, uh, people can look for that on, either on the Gene Ethics uh, Facebook page, or I think if they um, uh, Google ask your senators to vote no to the Mito bill, that will certainly turn up what they need, and they can complete their message there, and that will go to all senators uh in the ACT in your case, or if any people are listening uh, in New South Wales, uh, if they put their postcode in, uh, it will um, tell them uh, which uh, senators they'll be sending their message to. And uh, so that's been quite successful. Several hundred people have been sending their own personalised messages to the senators. And I think, um, well, our, on our count at the moment, something like certainly a third 
of senators will be voting against the bill, but of course that's not going to be sufficient. So we're asking also for amendments to the legislation. Uh, I've mentioned the one uh, that the um, Scrutiny of Bills uh, Committee was concerned about. But, for instance, this legislation, um, there's, a, there's a, a committee of lawyers and ethicists within the National Health and Medical Research Council that uh, is going to be issuing the licences for this. It doesn't have any experts on it. Um, and, and yet uh, the legislation says that the usual reviewer of uh, anything to do with genetic engineering, the Gene Technology Regulator, and its Gene Technology Technical Advisory Committee uh, will not be part of the review of these licensing procedures. Uh, I think that's a major problem because the number of experts who are involved in this um, research and are knowledgeable is very, very small indeed. And indeed, in some of the evidence um, that was before the Senate inquiry, um, a member of the uh, Federal Health Department and also one of the, a researcher into uh, genetic engineering of uh, in the human area, children's research, uh, were both very concerned about the potential for conflicts of interest. Uh, so that needs to be fixed in the legislation as well. We already know that some members of that licensing committee uh, do have conflicts of interest, and uh, it's very important that... Uh, we do something about that in the bill before it's passed, if it is passed as well. But in the meantime, we're trying to get them to vote no, and uh, we're hopeful that if we can't achieve that, that uh, some of these amendments will be taken seriously. We've, we've written to the Health Minister um, several weeks ago asking for these changes to be made, and... Um, Unfortunately, we don't have a reply at this stage. Yes, I was just about so, to say, was there any type of response? And when there's no response, that's a cause for concern. Well, I think it is. Um, of course, the minister is um, going to retire very shortly and uh, his office seems to have been a bit on hold, I'm afraid. So, And, of uh, course, they I've, take that long break over Christmas as well. Yes, that's right. Well, that's why they bring this sort of legislation on at this time of year. Um, exactly. Uh, so um, uh, we're looking for a reply before next Tuesday. Uh, we're now in touch with the minister's advisor on this, and uh, she's undertaking to try to speed things up for us so we can actually see what the government's thinking is. Mm -hmm. they, they've made some minor amendments uh, during the debate in the lower house, and uh, for that we're most grateful. But, for instance, uh, there too, I think it shows the motivation of the government they did make the concession that uh, instead of reporting every seven years that the licensing committee would do an annual report to the parliament. But then they said, oh, yes, but they're not allowed to report any adverse events. They're not allowed to report uh, the number of licenses that they may have issued. So, But that, seem, that seems a little bit like insanity. Were you not reporting adverse events? Shouldn't be that the primary... Uh, information that you're looking for to determine whether or not you want to follow through with an action. Indeed, but it's very much on the UK um, lines as well, where they've uh, been absolutely secretive uh, in their approach to this. And as I said before, there's been no information out of the uh, now six-year uh, UK research project. And I think we just need to wait to see what the results of those experiments on human beings are, mm. because... Uh, 
uh, of course, this, uh, new, these new technologies can be applied to anything, whether it's a microorganism, an animal, a plant, or a human well, being. As we've seen with our food, and, right? Our GM, GM food. Well, there's that as well, mm-hmm. but um, they're jumping right in there, making uh, their highest priority the genetic engineering of human beings, which uh, doesn't seem the right way to go exactly. Mm. No. How, how does it uh, compare to an organ transplant? Well, not at all. And in fact, that's been one of the um, ways in which the, um, uh, the par- some expert members of the parliament and also um, experts giving advice to the Senate have actually sought to mislead. Um, organ transplants, of course, you do that within a human being and it doesn't confer any genetic trait which is going to be passed on to the children or grandchildren or future descendants of that person. Whereas w- what we're talking about here is creating a child for a particular purpose to be uh, free of mitochondrial disease, which is going to then pass on that gen- those genetic traits to all future generations. So we're starting to, to tinker with the human gene pool in a very serious way. And uh, these are permanent and irreversible changes um, they don't have the consent of the broad community, and uh, the, the experimenters have no idea at this stage uh, whether it'll be successful uh, or what the results will be. And worldwide, both scientists, politicians, policymakers, and the public are saying we don't want uh, the manipulation of the human genome in ways that's going to be passed on to future generations. It's prohibited except for that one carve out in the UK and we're about to get it as well. And I think the ambition is to create, a, uh, for Australia to be in the vanguard of genomics research. That's why they um, gave the $500 million over 10 years for this kind of experimentation. Um, it's very ambitious. Um, and I think it's very wrong-headed as well, particularly when you don't have the consent of the Australian public or, indeed, the knowledge. Um, yeah, there's, there's very little transparency in this, right? Oh, extremely. Uh, very, very little indeed. Um, so we need to have a thoroughgoing public discussion about this. Um, interestingly, uh, in parallel with this... Um, There is a process being managed by the University of Canberra, which is local to you. Um, This is a a unit there which has uh, got an interest in so-called citizens' juries or consensus conferences, Mm. they used to be called. And the University of Tasmania is involved as well. It's genetics and law department. Now, the Tasmanian connection is that the chair of the committee that will be issuing the licences for this work is involved also in these citizens' jury processes. And the first of those was held in June of last year in Canberra when they got 23 ordinary Australians together for four days. They um, gave them expert advice about what human uh, genome editing would do and what it is, um, and uh, then got them to recommend... Uh, that uh, these things were okay and that they could go ahead. Now, the interesting thing in the You couldn't the make survey, this stuff up, right? This is just fodder for a science, bad science fiction movie. 
Well, it, it is bad too because at the conclusion they had a, did a survey of how the participants had felt about the process and what was a standout was that half of them said that they thought that the expert advice that they'd been given was um, one-sided, that it was unfair and uh, didn't fairly represent what was proposed. Um, and interestingly, although it was purportedly about human genome uh, manipulation, uh, which is this global push by the international summits, um, which is the Australians want to project it into a number of other countries and have already lined up the USA, uh, the UK, Brazil, to hold their own citizens' juries as well. Um, they also tagged on, oh, what do you think about the mitochondrial bill? And oh, you're just casually off to the side there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. They obviously weren't able to get a consensus because a subset of the people who were participating uh, then came up with um, the recommendation, which wasn't accepted by the consensus conference or the citizens' jury as a whole, uh, to say, oh, yeah, the mitochondrial experimentation and uh, commercialisation would be okay. So uh, we've got... I think a group of insiders in the National Health and Medical Research Council uh, in certain universities and in this uh, process um, engineering an outcome and uh, uh, as well as engineering our genetics and uh, hopefully the Senate next Tuesday will take all of this into account and not be bluffed uh, into uh, accepting what the unacceptable because uh, again I come back we're talking intergenerational equity young people are now demanding that the future for them is not determined now in a way that is irreversible and negative in relation to climate change uh, and a whole raft of other things and here we've got um, exactly that process going on in relation to our genetics it's not acceptable it's not um, respect, doesn't respect the human rights of the child who will be born in, this, in these experiments or their descendants. And uh, those changes will be irreversible. Um, and the IVF industry that's doing it is pretty sus, you know. We've now got a very strong movement of the 100,000 donor-conceived uh, people in Australia who now find that they've got... Um, tens or hundreds of uh, half-brothers and sisters as a result of the policies of the IVF industry in the past and, uh, you know, are in danger of marrying their brothers mm -hmm. and sisters. Uh, you know, these are not insignificant issues that are starting to be addressed, but here with the MITO bill, we're venturing into the same territory, mm, yes. giving the IVF and new industry a new tool in its toolbox which it very likely will misuse. And, well, with all of that money that, behind it, absolutely, there's a you know <laughs> um, cause for concern because as soon as you do the follow the money, you know who stands to benefit and who's going to be doing the heavy pushing. Yes, indeed. Uh, so we can sympathise with the people who have mitochondrial disease and it comes in very many shapes and forms. A lot of people don't even know that they've got that genetic mutation. So it goes from there down to the children, the 50 children who are born annually who are suffering the disease mm. and are going to probably have a short life. Um, but they shouldn't be used or misused as the poster children for this high-risk 
and unfair experimentation, which is now being um, legislated through our parliament without our consent. Yes. So, uh, so we're just going to um, have to leave it there, Bob, unfortunately. We do have um, another guest coming in via the phone shortly, but I just wanted to reiterate for um, our listeners who would like to take action. Uh, the Senate is going to be meeting on February the 8th, and if you would like to uh, do cyber action, that you can go to Senate Vote no to mitobill.good.do slash vote no to mito and that is somewhere where you can register your opinion about this is that correct there that's correct and anybody who wants to contact me can do that um you know info at gene ethics so gene ethics g-e-n-e-e-t-h-i-c-s dot o-r-g will find me by email or um give us a bell here 0449 769 066 and uh, would be very happy to hear from anybody who wants to engage uh, and to particularly tell the two senators uh, in the ACT or in New South Wales, the 12 senators there, uh, that they should vote no to the bill next Tuesday. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us this morning, Bob. That is Bob Phelps, who is Executive Director of Gene Ethics, talking about the Mito Bill and saying no to GM babies. So thank you, Bob, for joining us. We'll catch up with you in the future with a follow-up. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.